This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 149. Today, our special guest is Terry Cole. And Terry is going to talk with us about her book, Boundary Boss, and why boundaries are so important if you want to be a thriving healthcare leader. You're not going to want to miss this one. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders, and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. It's Tracy. And it's Michelle. And we are across the country together again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's say that again. We're across the country together. <laughs> we got both ends of the country covered. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we do. I'm in sunny California. And I'm in cloudy Michigan today, but uh, it's not that way all the time. <laughs> Just 99%. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Which is why just she teasing. leaves me. Why she leaves That's me in the, right. in the winter. That's right. It's going to be 80 some degrees here today. So I'm soaking it up. But happy to be on the airwaves with you, Michelle. Yes. Isn't it great that we can still do this no matter where we are? Oh, it's, yeah. I know. I love I This is the part of technology I love. <laughs> Technology and I are not always friends, but this part I really like. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Me too. Well, let's introduce this next amazing episode. Oh, hey, we had a really great interview. We did. It was so much, um, it was just enlightening. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think even when you read books, Having a conversation with the author just takes it to another level, I think. Yeah, it absolutely does. And hear the you know? story behind it and brings it to life. And I, I just, I'm walking away with, I just have a lot more to think about. I want to kind of learn more and more yeah. and more. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a journey. It, it is. is a journey, right? And it is. Uh, yeah, and I think it just, it inspires you to really think about boundaries. And we're talking about the Boundary Boss book, right? Yeah. We talked to the Boundary Boss woman herself, Terry Cole. Yeah. 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 And just uh, really just enlightening and so much fun and you're going to love it. Well, I think too, Tracy and I discovered her work um, over two years ago. 
And I think it was before she wrote the book and just looking at what she was doing, reaching audiences with um, online courses and her different platforms. And then when the book came out, a um, little less than a year ago yet, uh, we were like, oh, we have to have her on our show because we talk to healthcare leaders every week about boundaries. So it was a perfect match. And we asked her and she said yes. Yeah. And now we got our own work to do. Here we go. Back to the boundary work. <laughs> That's all it does. It just reveals more work that you have to do on the inside, right? Yeah. Which is, but it's good. It's all good. It's all truth. So let yep. me introduce you to Terry Cole, and then we will get on with our interview. Terry is a licensed psychotherapist, global relationship and empowerment expert, and the author of Boundary Boss, the essential guide to talk true, be seen, and finally live free. Love that title. Love it. Mm -hmm. For over two decades, Terry has worked with a diverse group of clients that includes everyone from stay-at-home moms to celebrities and Fortune 500 CEOs. She has a gift for making complex psychological concepts accessible and actionable so that clients and students achieve sustainable change. She inspires over 450,000 people weekly through her blog, social media platform, signature courses, and her popular podcast, The Terry Cole Show. And you can get more information on that at terrycole.com. And we are so excited now to have you meet Terry on our podcast. So here's our interview. Well, hello, Terry. We are so thrilled to have you on the show. Tracy and Michelle, thanks for having me. Yeah, we've really yeah. been looking forward to today. We <laughs> have, we have. So you have authored quite the book, The Boundary thanks. Boss. We just love it. And mm -hmm. uh, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your journey to being a boundary boss yourself? I would love to. Um you know what they say, like you teach what you most need to learn. I think that <laughs> was super true for me and that I was um, definitely a boundary disaster in my young life. And so that this is my own pain, my own experience in therapy, even long before I was a therapist because I had a whole different career. I was a talent agent prior to being a therapist that I couldn't understand why I was so angry and resentful in my relationships. I was overfunctioning, overgiving. My boundaries were way too porous, as we say. And um, through the therapeutic process, I realized that I didn't have any good boundaries and that nobody taught me how to do it and that I could learn. Mm -hmm. And then we, when I became, then I was in, continued to be in um, enter, the entertainment business, which we all know is not a hotbed of mental health. <laughs> and that had the most, oh my God, disordered boundaries. Your clients, they're the same age as you. You're all going out to get like, it was so bad. So I was like, wow, here's another place where I'm being challenged around my boundaries. Mm. And then I became a psychotherapist. I left entertainment and I was so inspired by my own evolution and growth process that I was like, that's definitely what I should be doing. Rather than making supermodels richer, maybe I should be helping people have better quality of lives, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so at the height of my career, according to my father, I quit the entertainment business and became a psychotherapist. And then in my practice, I saw every single person, I want to say almost without exception, who came into my office to sit on my couch 
Every prob- their presenting problem could be all so different, but what it all led back to was this lack of this essential skill set of transparently establishing, communicating, and upholding boundaries in their lives. And then the longer I was a therapist, because I've been doing that for 25 years now, mm. the more I was like, oh my God, this is everybody. Nobody knows. So that is why I got inspired because I started teaching my clients sort of one by one. So then you create strategies and PDFs and all of these things because, wow, you do get tired of saying the same thing. And then I I created a course and people were transforming their butts off. And I was like, this has to be a book. And that is how I got to where, that's how I started writing Boundary Boss. Ah. That's awesome. And it so parallels us. It does. <laughs> it really does. That's how we feel about polarity intelligence. Why we're starting to write our own book, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, you live the journey, right? And you and along the along the way, you're helping others and realizing how incredible it is. So we're just grateful for the book because it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, like you said, we have this challenge, but we don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can start with you sharing a little bit about what boundaries, what does that really mean? What are boundaries? And then, you know, like why are they so important, especially for our listeners who want to be thriving, resilient, unstoppable leaders? Mm-hmm. Why are boundaries important? Okay. So what they are, according to Terry Cole, is that they are you knowing your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers, like your non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. And then having the capability to transparently communicate them when you so choose, because it's not the same. Knowing your preferences, limits, deal breakers is not the same as communicating them because many of us know them, but instead of communicating them, we just have a resentment file cabinet where we're like, well, I'm not going to say anything to Bob, but I'm just going to file this under reason number 7,005 why Bob's an idiot, right? Rather than actually having the conversation. So according to me, that is what having boundaries. That's what that means. Okay. Why is it important for leaders and everybody? Because your, your boundaries are right. Preferences, limits, deal breakers, but think about it. Those are also the things that make you who you are. Mm -hmm. So it's so much more important that it's not about like, I'm going to manipulate people. I'm going to get my way. It's being known. Mm -hmm. So when you are not clear about what your preferences, desires, deal breakers are, when you don't have the capability to communicate them, people don't actually know you, right? We are giving, when you say yes, when you want to say no, when you act like you're not angry, when you are angry, you are giving corrupted data to the people in your life, whether that's subordinates, whether that's coworkers, whether that's your partner, whether that's a sibling and being misunderstood, right? How can anyone, if we're talking about personal life, authentically love you if you never let them authentically know you because you have the disease to please, because you have the people pleasing syndrome, because you want to avoid conflict at all costs. So there's a lot of reframing our thoughts about what it means to be a boundary boss. 
you know, a boss is someone who's masterful, not someone, it's not called boundary bully, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that isn't what it is. If you're a boss, you are masterful and, you know, boundaries come in all shapes and sizes, which you guys know. You can have boundaries that are too loose, which is too porous. You can have boundaries that are too rigid, right? That is too like my way or the highway. And of course, what do we want? We want boundaries right in the middle of those two things. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you know, what it struck me about is if you're not clear, they don't know who you are, but you don't know who you are either. Yes. And you're also, if we're talking about leadership, you're also setting the people that you're leading up to fail. Fail. Yep. Instead of to succeed, because how we are really unstoppable leaders is by being so transparent. We mm-hmm. are managing expectations. We are pre-thinking. We are proactive because, mm-hmm. I mean, even just in a leadership position, and it could be leadership, you're an entrepreneur, you own your own business like I do. It's having clean agreements with everyone. Mm-hmm. Do not assume you are on the same page as anyone. So much of the time we do this thing, it's called positive projection, where we think, well, obviously everyone knows that, or or nobody, who would do that? Nobody would do that. No, plenty of people would do whatever horrible thing you're thinking about. <laughs> so why don't we have a set of agreed upon rules yeah. so that yes. we're all on the same page? And if someone who works for you doesn't want to be on that page, at least they have the option of opting out. Right. Yeah. Rather yeah. than let's wait see who fails first, which is what it is when we are unclear about um, letting the people who we're leading know what our expectations are. We are really not. That is not being a resilient leader. And you cannot have disordered boundaries and be the level of leader that you're capable of being. You may Mm -hmm. still be a good leader, but you Mm -hmm. are not a great leader because Mm -hmm. you must have amazing boundaries to be a great leader. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things, you know, and I think it helps to have processes and tools and things to, to help you do that, right. To live Mm -hmm. those things. And I think one of the things that we do is we have same page meetings. So Mm -hmm. once a month we have a meeting where we can clear up this stuff, right. Where we can talk about, are we on the same page about this? This is what we need. This is where we're headed. And then we have partnership agreements too. So we say, here's what I need from you. Here's what you can expect from me. So we have something to fall back on. So I think it just came to me. Those are really great ways that I think we're living this, you know, being a boundary boss or boundary Abs- bosses. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. You, what you're talking about though, Trace, is having clean agreements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we have clean agreements, we are saving all the bandwidth that gets sucked away from our mission, from what we want to do, from misunderstandings, mm-hmm. from people being yeah. like, no, well, I interpreted it. This, well, there's no interpretation. Here are the notes from the meeting. This is the directive. We're all on the same page. Right? Yes. Yeah. Like yeah, you right, just yeah. said. Yeah. Yep. yep. So it's that whole awareness and transparency is key. Um, so, such great information, Terry. And then you also talk about in the book that we all have a unique downloaded boundary blueprint. We come with one. You want to tell us about that? <laughs> <laughs> we come with one. You're like factory installed for 
<laughs> or maybe it's just family of origin installed is more yes. like it. That's yes. right. That's yep. right. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. A, a lot of people, before we get into the download of Boundary Blueprint, people want to know, why don't we know? Mm-hmm. Why is it so challenging? Why does it feel, can it feel so threatening to be transparent, to talk directly, to say what we mean and mean what we say, whether that's in personal relationships or leadership positions or whatever, family of origin stuff. And part of it is that we were raised and praised to be self-abandoning codependents. I mean, we just were, most of us. Mm -hmm, I mean- mm -hmm. I've I've been teaching women this stuff from 192 countries and never did anyone say, oh my gosh, my mother really taught me how to be a boundary boss. Nobody did. They wanted us to be good girls. They wanted us to turn that frown around. They wanted us to not be troublemakers. They wanted us to, you know, do things that were ladylike and being loud or assertive was not ladylike. Be a good girl. I mean, how many times, right? You think about, you know, in the US, the brownies, like that, that <laughs> troop for young girls, their actual motto is like putting other people above yourself is the most important thing. Like, oh my God, we're indoctrinated <laughs> yes, into this yes. self-sacrificing. So we don't know how to draw boundaries in a healthy way because no one ever taught us. And in fact, we were trained to do the opposite. So I want mm-hmm. you to think about learning the language of boundaries mm-hmm. as learning a language. Yeah. You would not yeah. think you were weak because you weren't fluent in French because you really wanted to be. You would know there's a requirement. Get a good teacher. Get a good book like Boundary Boss. Take the time to walk through the process, which is revealing your own Downloaded Boundary Blueprint is one of the first things we do in the book and in my courses, which I'll tell you what it is. I want you to think of your Downloaded Boundary Blueprint like a blueprint, like an architectural blueprint for a house, but that someone else designed. Could be decades. It could be like a century ago. And it just gets, if it, if it goes unrevealed, right, if you'd never look at it, we just think this is the way the world is. Mm-hmm. It just gets handed down from generation to generation like... This is how relationships are supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to behave at work. This is how, right? And mm-hmm. it when we reveal, and I give you a bunch of really powerful questions in the book, to reveal your unique downloaded boundary blueprint, because we're all so incredibly different. Now, think about what it, what is it made up of? It's made up of all these influences, family of origin, country, culture, um, society that you were raised in because all of those societal and familial norms impact the way we think is the right way to be. So this gets revealed when you're done doing the the boundary blueprint exercise, you get to look and go, oh, this is the way it was for my parents or my maternal impactor, as I call them, because it might not be a mom, it could be a foster mom, an auntie, whatever. But that my question to myself is, is this the way I want it to be? Do I believe? Yeah. Sometimes they're limiting beliefs that like an assertive woman is mean, bitchy, selfish, whatever it is. And you can look at it and go, no, I actually do not. I am not subscribing to that limiting belief. Yeah. I believe there is a way to be assertive and kind. You can always 
draw boundaries if you want to. With ease, grace, when it's appropriate, love, when it's appropriate, a little more heat, right? It depends on who you're doing it with, but it's not like something that happens to you. Once you learn these skills, you will do it in a way that makes you comfortable, Mm -hmm. which will be different, right? Michelle will do it one way. Tracy will do it one way. Tara does it another way. So it isn't like you have to suddenly be this super aggressive, like mean person that's not accurate. So I think I answered the question, did I? Yeah, Yeah, you did. You did very well. Yeah. And I love that. It's, um, it's up to you, right? Like Mm -hmm. how you do this. And it it takes me back to kind of the polarity of candor and diplomacy, right? Mm -hmm. So it depends on the situation, the people, you're going to be more candid in some regards when you really need to be and more diplomatic in others, right? When you, yep. So it's kind of leveraging that ability to communicate in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the other thing you do is you start right out, even before the introduction, telling people what their rights are, <laughs> <laughs> what their boundary boss rights are. So yep. fill us in. <laughs> Give us a permission, Terry. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that, you know, Trace. I couldn't even do the intro without having the boundary boss bill of rights because there is so much confusion yeah. about what our rights are when it comes to boundaries. And I find that my people in my practice and the women in my courses and even online, people are like, I don't know, do I have the right to be this way? Am I being unreasonable? We're always second guessing ourselves. So anyway, we're going to take it from the top. There's only 10 of them. And if you want, you know, if you want to, you know, unpack one more, just tell me and I'll stop. Okay. The first one is you have the right to say no or yes to others without feeling guilty. Uh, See that right there? I think that's perfect. That's the too. first one. And I'm sure you did that intentionally. Yes. I mean, how much guilt do people, like they just beat themselves up about it or don't do it because they feel like so, so much guilt weighs on them. Oh, I just think that's the perfect first one. Yes, it is. I will agree with you because it's the one that I hear the most, of course. So I did them in order of like, how many thousands of times have I heard that? Yes. Uh, Right? The second one is you have the right to make mistakes, to course correct, or to change your mind, which is another one that I find that, and with myself too, when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I would, if I said I was going to do something, it didn't matter. I could be like a bloody pulp on the ground and I would like find a way to do it or to continue on down the road of a project that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And it wasn't well, there wasn't transparency, but I took it on myself. Like, well, it's your fault. You misunderstood. You said you're going to do what you have to do it. There is something so powerful about giving yourself the right to make mistakes, to Mm -hmm. course correct, and to change your mind. Mm -hmm. That is also the sign of a leader, right? Yes. Oh, definitely. Damage control. When we go, oh yeah, man, this is not working. You can change your mind. That is accurate. Okay. Next, you have the right to negotiate for your preferences, desires, and needs. I I specifically and intentionally use the word negotiate because most of us were raised to think that negotiating was like gauche, at least I was. Like there was something mm, unseemly about (laughs) negotiating, right? We just want people to give us the thing that we want or that we need, and we just think they should know what that is. And we don't want to have to say, hey, that's not cool, Bob. Like, here's the deal. We're doing the same amount of work. Why are you making $20,000 more than me? And I am going to say something to the boss, and I don't care how you feel about Mm -hmm. it or 
you could skip that last part, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. We, we need to basically learn to negotiate in that it's not a dirty word because this is also how we deepen the intimacy in our personal relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead of being like, I can't believe my partner so selfish only ever wants to eat the food that they want to eat. Because if you're not really asserting yourself and saying, I really do not want to have Mexican food again, please, Italian, that's really what I want. We have to stand up for ourselves and our preferences. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean we always get them met. But if we don't say it, we won't get them met. So the negotiating Mm -hmm. piece is really important. Okay. You have the right to express and honor all of your feelings if you so choose. And I, again, intentionally wrote it that way because you don't have to express all of your feelings, right? If someone is unsafe emotionally, if someone is not in your VIP section, they're not someone who should have any access to your most tender heart, then I wouldn't Mm -hmm. tell them all of my feelings because they don't, they haven't earned the right to know them. So mm-hmm. having healthy boundaries means that we can sort of make that distinction. Like we don't feel compelled to confess everything to one person. And we're also not so sewn up that nobody really knows how we're feeling, right? We, we mm-hmm. find the place in between with emotionally um, trustworthy people. Okay. You have the right to voice your opinion, even if others disagree. And I also say you are not required to do that, given the last two years that we've experienced, do you really need to fight with Uncle Bob about vaccine and not vaccine? You don't. Like, you can agree to friggin' disagree and to be like, nah, you know, I don't know. I don't need yeah. to. I know he's going to disagree. And this is like a fight. Ugh, pick your battles, you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Seriously. You have the well, right to be. Out- what's the outcome you're, you know, what's the outcome you're really looking If you know the outcome isn't going to change, yes. why spend your energy expressing something that isn't? going to get you anywhere. Right. And especially when it comes to family, I think this is how I I stayed with, I was able to not, I mean, I blocked a few on Facebook, but my extended family, my close family were all of the same mind, but my extended family, no. And I was like, I have a, I had a rule. I still do. There are certain people where I'm like, no politics ever. There's nothing you can say that will provoke me into this conversation. I'm not doing it. And I'm saying that because I'm looking to protect our relationship. And mm-hmm. if someone keeps going, I just will leave the place or I'll say, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about vaccine, anti-vaxxing or whatever. Whatever. Because yeah. again, like what is the, what is in it for me? Knowing mm-hmm. all this crap about my extended family that I don't want to know because it makes me like them less and less. Okay. Well, maybe I don't want to do that. <laughs> Even yeah. if I only see them at Christmas, right? I just want to remember right. Uncle Bob is Uncle Bob. I'll see him once a year. All right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> well, it's such a reality right now. It so is. I'm just, I'm just glad we're putting it out there because it is. It's a reality. It's so true. All right. You have the right to be treated with respect, consideration, and care. Mm-hmm. And this starts with treating yourself with respect, consideration, and care. Because when you really get down to it, your relationship with yourself sets the bar for every other relationship in your life. Mm -hmm. So if you treat yourself with respect, consideration, and care, that is a directive for others. And if you treat yourself like crap and talk bad about yourself and you're last on your own list and you're friggin' exhausted and you work yourself to death and you do everything for everyone else, <laughs> you will attract people who agree with that low self 
assessment and who think you should do all of those things. So your relationship with yourself is really important in all this process of um, establishing better boundaries in life. You have the right to determine who has the privilege of being in your life. Mm -hmm. I like this one too. I do too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. I I think people think, yeah, I I think they abdicate that. Right. Right. People think we're family. Yep. That means I can do whatever the hell I want. Nope. Here's the thing. You have a VIP section in your life, but here's the deal. You make the guest list. You are the only bouncer and you have to put up that velvet rope mm-hmm. because not everyone deserves to be there. In your VIP section needs to be the people where there's mutuality, where there is, right. they are emotionally safe Mm -hmm. and trustworthy Mm -hmm. where they fill up your bucket, you fill up their bucket. And listen, even if it's a sibling who doesn't fit that (laughs) description, it doesn't mean you have to excommunicate them. It just means simply because they're family doesn't mean that they necessarily should have access to your most tender heart. That's all right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Not necessarily. I love, I love that analogy of the VIP and the velvet rope. I mean, it's just, that's what it is. (laughs) It don't is. make it comp- don't make it complicated. Nope. Mm-hmm. And also imagine the VIP section with no rope and no bouncer and no list. That just means anyone who feels entitled, yes, to your time and your sunshine and your bandwidth and your brain and your beauty and all the things that you bring to all the people, they just come in and plop themselves down right in the VIP section, right? Yeah. Nope. No. No. We do not want that. Okay, mm-hmm. you you have the right to communicate your boundaries, limits, and deal breakers. So I think you have a right, but I also think in most of your personal relationships and even professional ones, if you want to be a great leader, if you want to be successful, you really have an obligation because it's like talking about what does it mean to talk true? As I would say, right? That's part Mm -hmm. of the subtitle of the book. Right. It means that we let people know our preferences, boundaries, limits, all of those things because that again, as we were saying before, sets them up for success and to not be surprised, right? We might be thinking something and if we're not saying it and we think it every time the person does it, we're like, why the hell did they do it that way? It is so weird. It is so not effective, la la la. And then like by the 15th time, you're like, Bob, what is wrong with you? Like, yeah. you can't contain <laughs> it. You're just a volcano. And the thing is, Bob can't read your mind. So it's so important that we are regularly checking in and not sort of sliding under the, you know, like we want to push stuff under the rug. Like, I don't want to make a big deal out of nothing, right? (laughs) I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. I don't want them to think I'm a drama queen. (laughs) There's all of these reasons why we talk ourselves out of telling the truth yeah, about Mm -hmm. how we feel, about how we want things done. And I found that in my own business, I've got a team of about 12 people that when I stopped doing that, and that's only 15 years ago, probably. So it isn't like I've been a boundary boss for all that long, that my business, (laughs) my earnings, everything was exponentially better because what ends up happening is if we are telling the truth, setting people up to succeed, you've got best practices, like you said, right? Mm -hmm. We have stuff where people can check in and be like, oh, okay. So then this, and this is how I do it. It leaves so much bandwidth to actually get the work 
done yeah. that you want to get done. Okay. You're not Moving putting on. your you're not putting your energy in other places. Yeah. My yes. my husband and I've been married 30 years and we call that concept foundation management where you just Anything, any little plop of crap that goes on, you just clean it off right away. Yeah. It's the same concept. You don't let it build up. It, that is so good. I tell uh, couples uh, to do like a weekly state of the union, I call mm-hmm. it, or, or, a, or a bi-monthly one where we talk about what's going on, what went well, mm-hmm. what, what are we grateful for, what are we thankful for, and what crap was left on the foundation, as Michelle said, yeah. and what crap needs to be cleaned up. Yeah. Hey, you know, the other night I said this, and I have to say, I kind of was holding on to resentment because I felt like you didn't want to do the, th- whatever, whatever yeah. the thing is that deepens intimacy mm-hmm. because we are secure enough in that relationship to recognize it isn't all roses and unicorns all the time. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to have conflicts. Of course, you're going to get on each other's nerves 30 years. I've been with my husband 25 years. It's normal. But when we make it be that, it should all be this crazy hyper positivity. We are we vilify having human relationships, which means we don't ever learn how to negotiate conflict. Mm-hmm. And we must, or we end up resentful and then become volcanoes. Yep, yep. Okay, you have the right to prioritize your self-care without feeling selfish. Mm. That's our mantra. Yep. Self-care is not selfish. <laughs> Come <laughs> on, people. Especially in the industry that you guys are in. Yes. Oh, I know. And they just, well, we're, we're givers, right? We're givers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do we say about givers? Givers have to learn to set limits. Why? Because takers never do. That's right. Yes. Yep. Yep. Takers going to just keep on taking. Yeah. All right. The last one. You have the right to talk true, be seen, and live free, which happens mm-hmm. to be the subtitle of the book. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Love it. Love perfect. it. Perfect. Thank you, perfect. Terry. Those are great. And it's really great that you started out with those just to, like you said, let's just put it out there. This is what we're talking about. And each and every one of us has a right to to live those uh, principles or the, 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 we call them the bill of rights, the bill of rights. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Exactly. Well, you coined a new term in your book that we really want to talk about that that is high functioning codependency which you even have an acronym for HFC. Tell I us do. a little bit about HFC. <laughs> I would love to. Well, let's talk about regular old codependency. Yes. Um and why I actually coined a new phrase. Where it came about for me was that I was seeing in my practice that especially mostly women were in my practice, very high functioning women. And if I would say, oh, hey, what I'm noticing this codependent interaction in this relationship that you're describing, they would be like, no way, you're crazy. I'm the one that everyone comes to. I'm not dependent on squat lady. It's all other people. I'm making all the dough. I'm making the decisions. I'm taking care of my mother, my this person, you know? And I'm like, oh, they don't know what codependency is. You could be doing all of that and you're still freaking codependent. So I think that, right? They would think about like Melody Beatty, codependent no more, have to be involved with an, you know, enabling an addict. That is old school and not true, right? So what is, first I'll establish what is codependency, then I'll say what a high functioning is. According to me, codependency is being overly invested in the decisions, the feeling states, and the outcomes of the people in your life to the detriment 
of your internal peace, your financial, spiritual, um, physical well-being. So I say that because we are all givers and lovers. So of course, we're going to be invested in the people we love, obviously. But it is codependency when we are invested to the point where when they have a crisis, it becomes our crisis. So if you're wondering, mm-hmm. am I a codependent? Think about the last time your adult child or your best friend called you with a trauma and how quickly how that thing became your thing. And look at your urgency. If you suddenly feel an urgency to like make phone calls and go on Google and look through your books and fix, 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 that is codependency. So high-functioning codependency and why I wouldn't have, the reason, another reason I coined a new phrase is because I wouldn't, I didn't identify with being codependent and I was seriously codependent because I'm so high-functioning, so mm-hmm. incredibly capable mm-hmm. and we make it look easy. Yeah. So other people are like, I can go to Michelle. She always has great advice and I can go to Tracy because they're like, they, people look at us and it's like, I like to say it's like a, the whole Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire thing where it's like Ginger Rogers was doing everything Fred Astaire was doing, except she was doing it backwards and in heels. It's like the high functioning codependence. We're doing it backwards and in heels. And everyone is like, she's got it all together. But what they don't see <laughs> is that it's at the expense of ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Our yeah. our health, our mental health. I mean, how many women come into my office with autoimmune disorders? Yeah. Directly connected, right? To yes. the stress mm-hmm. of being all the things to all the people all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you notice a pattern in your practice, Terry, that you knew about codependency as a therapist, but then you kind of step back and saw a different flavor of it that's high functioning. Yes. Yes. And what was so funny when I was noticing it in my clients, I was like, duh, that's exactly how it presented in you, which is why it Mm -hmm. took you years to recognize that you were so codependent with so many people. My God, I was like so (laughs) indiscriminately codependent with like my mailman, my hairdresser. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I I would, I would try to fix anybody (laughs) who asked or who needed it or who didn't even ask. So I think that what's important, especially people drawn to the helping and healing fields. Yeah. We are the ones, you know, yeah. And I know you work a lot with women, but how often does that show up in men? Um, I would say it does. It's it's not, you know, I happen to be more of an expert mm-hmm. on the way that it expresses itself in women because I've had 25 years of that experience. But I've also had male clients. And I mean, I can say this with my own husband. He's like a mellow Pisces, right? Even <laughs> though he can fix anything and do anything, but like, he's not a guy who loves confrontation. He's a guy who will do anything for you. If you ask, he'll say yes. I mean, he, I, would, I feel like he could be a mark like for other people, you know, yeah. that is codependency. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I accept it in him. <laughs> but yeah. I think a lot of straight men, and I see it more in my um, same-sex loving male clients mm-hmm. than I did with my heterosexual male oh, clients. that's interesting. Yeah. Because, again, yeah. there's a certain sensitivity Without, you know, broad stroking. This is just my experience. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Because you think about it, people drawn to 
this, we're talking about the field of, you know, healing, helping medical right. arts, whatever we want to call it. It's you probably are empathic. I mm-hmm. identify as an empath. I am also a highly sensitive person, which is different than being an empath, but mm-hmm. meaning that we are like super dialed in, that yeah. your antenna goes to like Mars and every room that you walk into, you're like scanning. Is there a problem? <laughs> is there a problem that I need to fix? Is there someone who's unhappy? We feel it whether we want to or not, right? I never, mm-hmm. I didn't even know what it was. I just, like I literally didn't know until I was in therapy for a long time. And then I started learning about empaths. I was like, oh my God, that is me. Mm-hmm. And it's why I'm so tired. Because I didn't know how to protect my energy. Right. I was just feeling all the feelings for all the people. Right. So, yeah. and yeah. that does not put you in a position to be a fabulous leader, a great worker. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. And it really boss. sets you up. <laughs> no. Horrible. It sets you up for burnout, though, you know, Trace and Michelle. It really sets you up for burnout. It does. And I think that's what we see. And, you know, because we're healers (laughs) and leaders and we're indoctrinated with nobody left behind, right? Leaders eat last, right? Every, sir, be a servant. All of that just sets you up to right. being, you know, a horrible boundary boss. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're just, right? Uh, so you've got all that piled on to what you learned as a child, which is you didn't learn to have a boundary, right? Be the yeah. good leader, be the good person, be the good nurse, the good physician. Yeah. Patients always come first, right? Yeah. And uh, it just piles on yeah. until they're burned out, right? And and they, they yes. just can't even see their way beyond. They don't know themselves. Right. They really because they're too themselves. busy reacting. Right. But here's the thing. What shifted something for me personally is when I really got in my therapy practice, you know, many years ago, that me having disordered boundaries with my clients, whether it was around money and payment, whether it was around my cancellation policy, whatever it was, was really bad for the client. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, you know me, I'm just Mother Teresa. I'm just a giver like that. Yeah. No. When I really got it from my supervisor, how bad, how not healing it was for Mm -hmm. my clients, I was like, wow, that's bad therapy. Yeah. That's me bringing my crap Mm-hmm. into this sacred space. I need to figure out my crap, which I did quickly. The first right. place I got good boundaries was in my therapy practice, but it took me not having them and yeah. having someone point it out and help me get them. But it took me shifting my my notion mm-hmm. of what it meant to be a good therapist. I yeah. thought that overgiving was being supportive and loving, but really overgiving is just dysfunctional. That's yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So one of the big things we see to begin with is, is leaders don't know how to say no. Mm. <laughs> People just don't know how to say no and mm-hmm. stand in that, right? That, mm-hmm. that power of determining for themselves. So what are some, are there any easy ways that you would recommend to, or easier ways to say no? Yes. And we're going to call them strategic because for lots of people, even if I give you exactly what to do, it'll still be challenging, but yeah. I think you can do it. Mm-hmm. The first thing we want to do is we just have to stop the auto yes, right? The insta yes. 
It's, we cannot be on autopilot. We have to make a decision. Anybody listening right now, you make a decision right now for the next seven days. I cannot immediately agree to anything. We're going to start to pause and think, and we're going to start to teach people to expect us to pause and think. So if someone says, hey, can you do whatever they ask? You say, you know what? Um, I need to check with, maybe it's a calendar thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to check with my calendar and let you know tomorrow. I love just saying to people, you know, I have a 24-hour decision-making policy, so I'll let you know tomorrow. I need Mm -hmm. need some time to think about it. I don't make instant decisions Mm -hmm. because they're never good if I do. Right? Yep. Mm -hmm. What do people say if you say that? They're like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And and if you don't want to be that honest, especially if it's someone who works for you, you can say, I need to think on that. I'll let you know by Wednesday. So part of it is have something ready to say that buys time. Then take your time to think about what are the pros and cons? Do you want to do it? Or were you going to agree to do it simply to avoid negativity, someone being upset with you, you being afraid that you'll be perceived as not being nice, blah, blah, blah. When you are a leader, when you are a healthy person, it can't be about everybody liking you all the time. Mm-hmm. You're doing something wrong if everybody likes you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Then you're just a people pleaser. It's, it's impossible to be, to be doing both, right? You have to make an unpopular decision at times. I remember when I was writing the book and I had never written a book before and I, my mother was living with me. She was going through cancer treatments. I was going through my very first pandemic like, wow, there were so many things happening. And it was like, I was put in this position, even though it was my first book. And, you know, of course I want the publishers to be happy and to think I'm amazing and to want to work with me again. And yet I had to just dig deep and be the boundary boss I claimed to be, whether it was (laughs) them coming back and giving me a cover that I hated 12 times and me finally being like, I'm having my designer do it. Bye. And (laughs) I did. And they were like, okay. And I, I actually was able to not over-explain because you don't need to do that, right? Remember, when you are making a request, mm-hmm. a boundary request, and even if you're saying no, you can provide context if you so choose, which is mm-hmm. giving more information so you are better understood. But make sure that it doesn't flap over into convincing Right. Yeah. Right. We feel yeah. like we yeah. need to convince yeah. them that we have a right to say no, or we yeah. really yeah. desperately want them to understand why and approve of our no. Yes. <laughs> They're not going to approve of your no, probably. And it just has to be okay. You're not that fragile, people. You're not. Right. You are right. strong. You yeah. are great leaders. Yeah. So this piece that is so fearful of these things, it's very normal. We were absolutely indoctrinated into this, but the same way you learn any language or any skill or go to grad school or any degrees that you have. This is the same thing. I walk you through it in the book. You guys know, you read it every step of the way. It's not like a book that you can just flip it open and be like, I'm going to get some wisdom today on this page. You do it from the beginning (laughs) to the end. It is sequential specifically and intentionally for a reason because it builds on. It's -hmm. just like learning a language. Yeah. You couldn't just decide, I'm going to do the lesson at the end, because that wouldn't make sense. You wouldn't even understand it. Right. right. But you can mm-hmm. learn 
So part of it is knowing that wherever you are in this process, you're in the exact right place. You shouldn't know this. Nobody taught it to you. Nothing is wrong with you. But the question is, are you willing to do the work? And don't say you're confused. You don't need to be confused, right? You want to know where you need boundaries right now? Do a resentment inventory right now. Mm-hmm. Who are you holding resentment for? That's where you need a boundary, most likely. Yeah. So you do mm-hmm. know, like our our body wisdom is so deep and profound mm-hmm. that we really do know. We're just afraid to know because then we might have to say something and we're afraid we don't know how. So what I want to give you permission or I want to just say is even if you know a boundary has been crossed or that you might need to have a boundary conversation. You don't need to do it right now. Right. Knowing it is important. It's the first part of the process, raising your awareness. And you will do it in your way. You can do it, as you said, diplomacy is queen, especially when you're leading. Mm-hmm. But doing it, there, and here's, here's what happens. When you start being more transparent and being more directed with boundaries, what ends up happening is that People respect you mm-hmm. and they know that you are an emotionally safe person because I have friends who I know I ask them to do something and they say yes. And I say to my husband, oh yeah, Debbie said she'll be there. So there's about a eh, 50% chance that she'll show up. She's a, she's a people pleaser. You know her. She always says yes. People know you. If you are someone who does what you say you're going to do, if you pull no punches, if when, when someone comes to you and says, I really need to do blah, 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 but it's not what's best for the company, for your mission, for whatever, and you're able to say, hey, I understand that you have that need, and yet I cannot agree to that right now. Let's put our heads together. Maybe we can problem mm-hmm. solve, but that is not what's best for what we're doing and you've already committed to this. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about perhaps you take off next week, whatever. I don't know what the situation is, but there's a respect, Mm -hmm. right? Because if if somebody somebody knows, if I say yes, I'm going to do it. If I say no, I got a good reason. Or Mm -hmm. I don't care if they understand my reason, right? Right. It's my right to do or not do that thing. But really it is such exemplary leadership to be a boundary boss and people feel very um, safe mm-hmm. around you because mm-hmm. they can count on you to be the same, to not be copying resent- resentment and being like passive aggressive in showing your displeasure. And then you're like, oh my God, what did I do? I think that there was a tone in their voice, but they didn't say anything. That's just not good leadership is making people guess what's going on with you. Transparency right. is where it's at with your boundaries, with your preferences, with your desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it helps them to know you. Mm-hmm. Right. And back yes. to the negotiating, right? It's it's all about understanding um, each person, what's important to them, what they need, how they operate in the world. It helps you be able to know how to operate with them, how, how yes. to be in relationship with them. So, yeah. yes, it's a, yeah. that's very well. That's perfectly said, Trace. It's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This has just been so much fun. <laughs> I could talk about this stuff all day, all day long, long, Terry, all day long, but we can't. So we know that you come bearing gifts. So tell our listeners a little bit about what you got for them. I do. So I have a gift that I was on the fence, whether it was going to be do less and get more done. Is that the one we wanted it to be? Or hey, codependency? We were, open. we were open to whatever you wanted. 
you know, after doing the interview, I think it should be the codependency one. Yeah. So oh, okay. you're going yes. to go to boundaryboss.me forward slash missing logic. Okay. And it's basically a video and a PDF. And it's all about boundaries and codependency, sort of like the intersection, so that anyone doing it can really ascertain like, where are they? You, yeah. you can get a more clear idea of where are you mm-hmm. in this process of boundaries and codependency. Because really, the nature of codependency is just disordered boundaries, pretty much. But I think that it will really add some value to your life. And if you want to take the boundary quiz, it's free. Go to boundaryquiz.com. It'll tell you your boundary archetype. And you know where to find the book is boundarybossbook.com. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for doing that for our listeners. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. And I was just thinking, you know, it's maybe time to do a checkup. (laughs) You know, it's been a while since I've even thought about codependency. And I really appreciate the patterns that emerge. And, um, and just thinking back on my own boundary journey, you know, just I tell people I used to have the yes disease pretty bad. Tracy will tell you that. (laughs) So getting a lot better at it. But it's it's a journey. It's work in progress. It you, you never arrive. So I well, I love this conversation. Yes, mm-hmm. me too. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing about arriving. You're, you're so right, Michelle. We don't arrive, but mm-hmm. the journey gets more and more satisfying Yes, yep. as we are honoring ourselves. Because yeah. it's not about right manipulating other people. It's about having the courage to stand up for who we are. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's a win, whether the other person acquiesces to what you want or not. The win is being known because you think you're worth knowing. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, and I, and I, th- I appreciate this last piece because I think a lot of times people think boundaries are for other people. <laughs> no. Boundaries are all about you. Yes. Right? They're, they're not about the other guy. So <laughs> and true. everybody thinks I want to put this fence up for these other people, but this is really about looking inside That's right? right, and getting to the heart of your own behavior and yes. who you are mm-hmm. as an individual and what you want in your life. It, it really and what you're inviting, you. right? Yes. What you're inviting and tolerating yes. in your life. That is, you are the common denominator of your life experience. So if you're like, wow, everyone is a boundary bully, you're like, is that true? Or are you just a boundary disaster? Yeah, exactly. And, and if that's so, that's okay. You can start from exactly where you are, but that's exactly what Tracy said is yeah. accurate. It's about you. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Such a great point. Yeah. Oh, Such a great is. point. Well, yeah. Terry, we're at the time in our show where we get to ask you the missing questions. You have no idea what's coming your way and we can't wait to throw it at you. <laughs> great. I love it. Feel free to put up any boundaries you need to. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, since you live in New York and we know you used to be in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. we want to know what your favorite New York Broadway show is that you've ever, ever been to. Oh, God, so many. I mean, I maybe have to say Les Mis simply because I saw it like five times and obsessed about the soundtrack for like 15 years. So maybe Les Mis. Okay. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, Our second question is, you acknowledge your husband, Victor, in the dedication of your book. And you said that it was his his unwavering support, love, and culinary skills that made the writing of your book possible. (laughs) So we're very curious what your favorite culinary specialty is that Victor prepares for you. Oh my God, he cooks everything. So where should we, like literally all of the things. (laughs) 
He cooks, he does fish amazing, salads. We're not like saucy people. So it's more like sort of basic stuff. Like every night is a salad with some kind of amazing protein. <laughs> so that's it. He's also an amazing farmer. He also is raising chickens. Like I can't, this guy is mm. the Renaissance uh, man for sure. Yeah. Our, our husbands cook for us too. So <laughs> every day, every day. <laughs> I highly recommend it. (laughs) I I do too. And now I'm, I happen to be staying with my sister-in-law. So my sister-in-law and my husband are cooking for me now. They, they trade off every other night (laughs) and I just show up at the table. (laughs) I love it. They love it. They love doing it. Right. It's really fun for them. And I, they are great cooks. Both of them are great. Yeah. Okay. Our final wrap up question. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we teach leaders about polarity intelligence, right? Those interdependent pairs that really need each other to get to that greater purpose. And a big part about understanding polarities is to recognize we all have a preference for one pole a little bit more than the other. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just natural to tend to lean one way more than the other even though we recognize both poles may be essential to our lives, right? It's kind of like the candor and diplomacy, right? Mm-hmm. Some of us are lean a little more to be candid. Some lean a little more to be dipl- diplomatic, right? It's mm-hmm. not nothing wrong with it. So we want to ask you in this polarity of activity and rest, hmm. where does your preference lie? Is it a preference? Is it a compulsion? <laughs> so I would... <laughs> I would say activity, yes. I'm, yes, I'm getting okay. way, in the past 10 years, I've gotten way better. I mean, I haven't met daily meditation practice. I do rest, but my nature yeah. Yeah. is more to move. Yep. Yeah. And that's just important to know that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think when we recognize our preferences, sometimes when we have a preference, a pretty strong preference, we're unaware of the negative sides of that and mm-hmm. of the positive benefits of the other, right? So it just helps us to know, ooh, I need to have somebody shine a light over here <laughs> on the yes. rest side. Let me know what I'm missing, right? <laughs> yeah, so. yep. right. It's like it's like the light and the dark, you know? Yeah, yes, exactly. It is, exactly. It, it is, it is. Oh, <sighs> this has just been fabulous. Yes. Love the conversation. Thank you so much, Terry. So many just pearls of wisdom. And I think just the reinforcement of, this work really is about knowing yourself. This is, and to me, all the work is inside work. Yeah. Darn it. Jeez. (laughs) Why can't it be somebody else's thing to do, right? (laughs) We always got to do our own work, right? Yeah, we um, do. And I just think this is just another, another layer of very, very important work to get to know yourself. And I just so appreciate that wisdom and, uh, and all the, just the really, um, the lists, the tools, the permissions, the, <laughs> the ways to help you uncover it in the book is just really phenomenal. So thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, thanks and I, for having me. Yeah. I want to thank you as well, Terry. And I think um, just having worked for the last 24 months with leaders, you know, during this time, this is very timely. And I, I also think we work with leaders from being new in leadership to many, many years. And to me, this whole concept is something you always got to revisit every promotion, every new transition. Yep. So it's very valuable work. And I know our listeners are really going to enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love it. All right. Well, maybe we'll have you back. Who knows? Right on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and for our listeners, 
thank you so much for joining us today. And it's been a pleasure to be with you on Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time. Stay safe, stay healthy, set some boundaries. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.